Welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast. And welcome to the Let's Eat Grandma Career Warrior Podcast, where our goal is not only to help you land your dream job, but to help you live your best life. Today, we're going to talk about how to make perfectionism your friend, not your foe. Man, this is such a near and dear topic for me just because I feel like I've always resonated as a perfectionist and I feel like it's something that I've had to overcome. I know a lot of career warriors listening to this podcast today may be going through the same thing. Maybe you have really high standards for your job search or for your career. Wherever you're at in your life right now, just listen up to this episode because we are going to give you some peace of mind in knowing that we're going to get it done. We are going to get through all of it and we are going to use perfectionism as a weapon for success as opposed to this thing that is dragging us down. Today, I brought on Anna Liebel, a leadership and team development consultant and the host of the Genius Leadership Podcast. Anna Liebel is a global citizen with a Ukrainian heart and a tech project manager dedicated to people growth. With an education from three European countries, six plus years of project management experience within various industries, as well as a focus on leading cross-functional and international teams, Anna helps bring a new perspective to the challenges that modern leaders are occupied with. So as you can see, Anna is going to be amazing. This episode is none like we've ever had before. Put on your seatbelts. This is going to be a wild ride for all of you perfectionists. So let's launch right into it with our 205th episode, The Career Warrior Podcast. Anna, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi, Chris. 205. Wow. Applause to you. Awesome. <laughs> Time flies. I'm telling you, we never run out of topic ideas because we have guests like you who are coming to our show with these creative and innovative ideas. And you came today with topic of perfectionism. So let's talk about perfectionism. How did you get into this topic in the first place? Yeah, by living it. <laughs> Easy answer and probably quite often one. And just as you, Chris, I've been suffering from having perfectionists as my foe. And that's something that was stopping me from things or making them me slower and quite some stress. And that's how I realized that, hey, this is not the way it should be. We can turn it upside down or on its head. When did you first realize that perfectionism was in your life and potentially a problem? You know, I think it's easier to understand it looking backwards. So I've been working on myself with a personal development for over 10 years now. And when you are learning new things and you implement them in your life and you see the progress, that's where you kind of get those aha moments like, hey, wait a moment, this is not optimal. And here I can actually do something better. So I think the real active realization came to me while working in my first company after my master's degree, where I was really struggling with that because I had high ambitions. I was quite a high responsibility role project coordinator for a big project or kind of a program, actually. I was just out of the university. I was 23 years old, uh, an immigrant and a girl in a, an engineering company <laughs> with a lot of guys who've been at the company for 30 plus years while I was on the earth for less. <laughs> so right. I had to be the outsider in, in many, or I was an outsider in many ways. And I really wanted to prove myself. And that's where the perfectionism got quite to its extreme. And sure. At the same time, I was working quite actively on myself and I realized that, okay, this is something that's stopping me. And actually, I can use this time and energy that I'm spending on making some things perfect on other things, like building relationships with those guys. I think that's a good example because it must have been this really immense pressure that you had put on yourself just because you are this person in this new environment. You feel like you have to 
impress you feel like you have to put on results because it's just like we feel like we have a lot to prove in sometimes and for me i don't know what it is i don't know if i can point to any specific story but i have always just felt the pressure not to mess up or to Mm -hmm. produce bad results and i felt like if i ever put out something that was less than great then it just would be awful it'd be like a disaster may i ask a question here yeah just the coach and me coming in. <laughs> what do you think it comes from for you? Like, where is this perfectionism and willing or like the thought that anything less than great is not enough? Where does it come from? I'm not really sure. I think it, it goes back to childhood. Mm-hmm. I think I've always been this way ever since I was like a fourth grader. And so, you know, I don't know, maybe it, it's this long developed habit of thought that I've had going on for years and years, but it's hard to explain. And maybe I can't figure it out now, but I hate to put out things that I think are less than great. And I know I do put out things like I'm human, Mm -hmm. you know, I know I'm not definitely not perfect, but just the thought of it just brings me anxiety and just brings me stress sometimes, you know? Yeah. And that's, that's taking a lot of energy usually. So do you have any examples of things that you've done perfectly or kind of got out in the world in a perfect state of it oh now you're asking me to say what have i done that's perfect that's hard (laughs) i think that's a tough one to answer but because everything is subjective and i know that really nothing is going to be someone's going to see my work of art whether or not i think it's great or not whether it's like the best podcast episode or i make music or just like the best song that i put out but there's not everyone's going to think that everything it's perfect you know I think, you know, from a subjective standpoint, that some things I put out are just great, but I just don't think that's the reality. Yeah, but as long as you feel good about that and, and you put them out and then you can actually look back and reflect on, okay, what could I actually have done better? So that by default should not make the things less great than the ones that you've done. Just because you find some space for improvement doesn't mean that uh, that stuff sucked, right? You just find the space for improvement and you learn for the next time. And actually, I asked you just because of this perfectionism definition, let's say, because I feel like yeah. it's you just hit the nail on the head, right? It's a very subjective thing. And whoever I ask about this question about what have you put out in the world that was perfect, if people find something that was perfect when they've put it out, and now we look back at it, they've already had new experiences, they've changed as a person and so on. So it's not perfect anymore. They find something that they could have done better. And that's the whole point for me with the perfectionism, that we think Uh. and we seek this thing that will be perfect and we think that will be perfect forever. But for me, the point is put something out there that is good and then see, okay, what was not perfect? And then you kind of improve. And then there we'll talk more about this, but really focusing on progress instead of the first result is what can actually help you turn it around. Uh, Anna, this is the episode I needed to personally have. So thank you for inspiring me. I think now at this point in time in particular, I think I need to hear that. And I'll talk about, you know, my music making process. I have this tendency to stop making music just because Mm -hmm. I'm afraid that it's just not going to be right the way it turns out. So I think that's great. But before going into some of the tactics and techniques you have for overcoming this, I just want to hear what are, in your opinion, kind of generally, what are the downfalls to perfectionism where job seekers are involved? First one, I would say, for example, not seeking the job that you are dreaming about and where you might be the candidate they are looking for. But you might Mm. look at the list of the quality qualifications that they want you to have and you think, oh, no, this one of 10 I don't fulfill. So I shouldn't apply because I'm not perfect as a candidate. And the thing is that Quite often I see that those job applications, they describe the, they take the wishful kind of good to have 
list and they make it a must, right? The candidate should right. fulfill. And that's the right. thing, like quite often you might not be the one who has all the 10 qualifications from what they listed, but there is something else that actually is a game changer for them. And this is one example of, okay, you, you just look at the application and you don't even start the process because you're like, oh no, I'm not good enough for this job. The other one can be that you start doing the application and you just polish your CV and polish your cover letter again and again and again and again and again. And yes. you kind of try to really fit it to this application, to this job. And don't get me wrong, you shouldn't be doing copy paste for all the applications you're doing. True. Uh, it Thank has you to be <laughs> yeah, it has to be customized and you need to show that you have done your work and you have thought how do you fit into this organization and to in this position and so on. But there is this kind of fine line, you know, where it's enough. All the input that you're or all the effort you're putting in later is not gonna give you that much of a return on, on investment. So this is really about this kind of finding this line. So first of all, starting yeah. with the process and secondly, really finding this balance between adjusting things and perfecting them so that they actually are fitting for the job that you're looking for or apply applying for, but then not going way too far and really just missing the deadline, for example, just because you were polishing right. your CV for 150 time. Absolutely. If I could name or just even number the amount of people who have probably missed an application mm -hmm. deadline or not applied to a job that they would have gotten. Yeah, I think even I would be surprised to know that a lot of those people would have those jobs by now because, you know, you've identified two things that are stopping people from getting their dream job, essentially. And that's number one, not applying in the first place, people having this fear that they're not going to be competent or qualified, even though they probably meet most of the qualifications for the role. Second thing being just refining that resume or CV until it's crazy. You know, I spoke to someone who spent about 80 hours on their resume before sending it out. And I have a resume company. I want people to work on their resume. But I told this person, I'm like, friend, I don't think that's the right, the right thing you should be doing. It's tragic how we're stopping ourselves and how we're getting into our own way. Absolutely. I think that's it. So Anna, let's talk about how to make perfectionism your friend. I didn't even know this was possible, but this is what I think the magic of this episode is going to be. So how do I know, first of all, that I have made perfectionism my friend? What is life going to look like? Oh, that's a beautiful question to start with in this block of discussion. I would say you are not afraid. That's one of the first things that when you are perfecting things in the right way, right by my definition on how you turn it as a friend, right? You are not feeling fear anymore. Because fear stops us very often, right? And if you can turn your perfectionism so that it's really serving you well and helping you, then this fear is stepping away. It's not as strong anymore. So if I'm a job seeker and let's say I'm making a, a career transition to something that is going to suit me more, something that I feel more driven and more excited and called towards, then at this point, though, aren't, aren't I feeling fear anyway, just because of the nature of the transition? So you're telling me that there should be just this moment of realization where there's no fear at all? As I said, it's not only about no fear at all. Sometimes it is like that. And I've had situations where before, as a perfectionist, I would have been afraid. And with turning the mindset about the perfectionism and the failure, which mm -hmm. are related, right? I wouldn't fear anymore. But usually, even if it's not gone completely, it's much weaker and it's not a stopping thing anymore. And that's, again, something that you need to tweak in your mind as a perfectionist, redefining a lot of things or not a lot, some key things that you can redefine. And if you really get it into your head, those new definitions of failure, fear, and so on, then it gets much easier to actually work on those things in an inspiring and yeah. the way that it actually gives you energy. So for example, 
failure for me it's the learning opportunity and i was once redefining asked, failure as a learning opportunity exactly yes. exactly yes. i was asked about that in one of the interviews like what was the biggest failure in your career and i really got stuck on the question i was like i couldn't come up with anything i was like okay here i would have done different but i couldn't because with what i knew then and what i could then that was the best thing I could have done. So it was a, really a learning for me. And now I won't do it that way anymore. But with what I had then, that was the best thing I could do. So this is one of the things I really want you listeners to turn upside down. Failure is just another opportunity to learn. And love to give an example of Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx. She's the first female self-made billionaire. And she is talking about that, that her father taught them that failure is the good thing. And the only real failure is actually not trying. I love that. I actually heard that same story. Like her father would have her come home as a child and be like, okay, well, what did you fail at today? Exactly. And he would celebrate when they, they were saying it. And she and her brother would almost have a competition like, hey, my failure was today, this and that. So they got excited about that because they've tried. And just yesterday or a couple of days ago, I saw her posting on LinkedIn about that. She was posting a video of her daughter trying to like jump over a stream and how she failed. And that was again this reminder like, my daughter is taking what I've learned from my father that the only real failure is not trying. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. I think you and I should have a similar competition just to fail at something, come back, hold each other accountable. And man, how cool would that be yeah. if we just redefined? I mean, like you already do, but if I was able to redefine failure as a good thing. So I think that's awesome. Thank you. It's a very powerful shift. And as I said, it's just the words, but it's just like with a coma in the name of your company, right? Let's say grandma. <laughs> you put the coma or not, and it's a totally different meaning. And it's the same with the words. They are super powerful. And it's not only the words that we say to, to the others, it's the words that we say to ourselves in our minds. Those, like our mind is listening to us, even if we're not saying anything with our mouth. And that can mess up a lot with us and our lives, or it can be the biggest asset for ourselves. Absolutely. So let's talk about some of the how here, because I'm totally bought into what you're saying. I believe in it. I think it's a great thing. But I know that once I put my headphones down, I step out of this podcast mm -hmm. and go on throughout my day, redefining failure and redefining what it means to be a perfectionist is it's practically it can be a difficult thing to do sometimes. So in your opinion, what is the first step to making perfectionism your friend in redefining these sort of things? I love it that you bring it up, Chris, and I agree with you. It's a journey and it's a process. It's not going to be like, okay, I listen to this podcast and here we go. You need to do some legwork and get in the reps, you know, to really be the athlete, like the classical example of Michael Jordan, right? He was talking about all the failed rows that he did to actually be the best in what he's doing. And every failed steps have been something that he's learned from and how he has practiced and mastered the skill. So the first step I would suggest is really identifying the areas that matter to you. And that's how I want you to think about perfectionism being a friend. Perfectionism can be good. It can be good if you are trying to be perfect or seeking perfection in things that really matter for you, matter to you, and change the quality of your life significantly. And I give an example from uh, my project management experience. So as a project manager, you have a lot of presentations that you do. You have a lot of team meetings, you have a lot of stakeholders that you need to kind of update on all the status of the project, blah, blah, blah. And as a perfectionist, I was spending a lot of time on preparing those PowerPoints. I would align the text boxes, you know, like from one slide to another. When you switch them, you realize like, oh, this one is one pixel off. And then you just start aligning all those kind of things. 
I'm the same way. <laughs> and when I realize how much time I'm spending on that cruise, yeah. I get pissed at myself. Yeah. And the thing is, and here is the tricky thing, or for me, it's exciting, tricky thing. I challenge myself that, okay, I prepare the material. I run through it once. Yeah. I do the corrections. That's it. And that was hell out of my comfort zone. <laughs> I was sweating going into the presentation rooms with those PowerPoints sometimes. Of course, you'll find some typo there. Of course, you'll find something stupid there. Oh my gosh. There. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Anyone else noticed about, like, that part for me? And my like focusing on those things that are on the screen that are wrong is taking away my energy that I can actually put into presenting and getting the message through. Yes. I just want to stop right there because th that resonates with me so much. And I'm going to also make a push for that exact same point because the inner perfectionist in me would look at those little minor details. Sometimes the details are important. Like you don't want to make a spelling mistake in your resume, for instance. I mean, that stuff matters. But I mean, let's say that I am putting all this attention to detail and getting each design element in my PowerPoint aligned just perfectly. And it's kind of like an art in a way. And I'm trying to get the art right. When you're doing that and spending too much time on those things, you're also taking away from the most important thing, which is the core message you're trying to convey when you're giving your talk or anything like that. So people think that, oh, it's fine. I'll just, I'll keep working and just perfecting that little tiny thing over and over and over again when it's not really important. They think it's not going to cost anything, but the cost is your time in spending in the most important aspect of whatever you're working on, that core message. It comes at a cost. And that's, I think, something that we have to realize as perfectionists is what do we need to pay attention to and what do we need to draw our attention to to just get done what we need to get done? Yeah, absolutely, Chris. And what you're talking about with the resume, identify, again, like I did, for example, how many times you're going to reread through it. And often with those kind of important documents, applications and so on, it's good to do it the next day, for example, unless the deadline is today, right? You write it and then you put it aside and then you go and sleep and you like focus on something else and then you look at it with the fresh eyes. That's one of things. And then the other thing, identify how much time you're ready to spend and think about it. Just what you said, Chris, you spending another three hours on or like 80 hours on that on polishing that CV, right? Like the example you gave earlier. Think what else can you put those 80 hours into? And think about the accumulative hours that you're spending on this perfection in, in tasks that don't really matter that much. But I will go back to my presentation example for a moment, because at some point I was working with the UX people, user experience people. And the project manager on that part of the project, the leader of that part of the project, he was very visual and super like aesthetic. He was out of earth for me with his eye for aesthetics. And with him, once we were going through some of the frameworks that we've created in my team, and he was like, oh, here it's one, one pixel off. And I really had to kind of zoom in for 300% to kind of see that one pixel off thing that he was mentioning. But I understood that with sitting with him in the meeting, if I have that one pixel off, I'm not having him with me. He's not with me. He's on the screen staring at that and being annoyed. And that really made me realize like, okay, when I come into the meeting room with people like that, to whom this really matters that much, for me to get the message through, I have to have my presentation perfect. So that is how you turn your perfectionism into a friend. You identify where perfectionism is playing for you, right? Not against you. And you're focusing on perfecting those things. And we'll come onto the focus a bit more, but I really want to kind of get it into your head, guys. It's super important to find 
In some things, perfectionism is good. But find those areas where that is just eating your energy, it's eating your time, and it's becoming a waste of you as a human being. And define what is good enough in those areas and commit to sticking to that. Not a single minute, not a single reread more than what you have committed to. But then the areas that really matter to you, there you can polish, there you can pay a lot of attention and really focus on perfecting it. And by perfecting, now I'm coming back to the focus part of you. It's not about getting it perfect because perfect does not exist. As I said earlier, whatever you think is perfect today, three years later, you look at it and you're like, oh my God, because you'll have more information. You'll be a different person then. You've grown. Yes. You've developed. So it's being able to relax and surrender almost your the idea that it is going to be perfect forever and saying, okay, this is the best I got it right now. And I'm going to look back on this three years from now and say, hey, there's an opportunity to progress or realizing that I've gotten better at something, right? Yes. And here I want you to repeat the mantra after me. <laughs> I'm doing the best I can with what I have. I'm doing the best I can with what I have. And that's how you focus on perfectionism in a good way. You have a set of, like you have some input now. You have environment in which you're doing whatever you're doing. That's what you have. That's given. And then you need to do the best that you can with those situations or within that environment with that situation. And for me, it really transformed how I looked at people, other people. Because for me, the, this mantra is actually not about me. It's about everybody's doing the best they can with what they have. And that takes out the judgment. Like it just really takes it out of the equation. Because I can see, for example, I don't know, let's take it parenting. You know, whatever you do, <laughs> like usually we are striving to be perfect parents. But whatever you do, <laughs> your kids will have something to go to the therapist with. And you need to live with that. And it's the same with your parents. They've done the best with what they had. Just turning around and understanding like, okay, my parents, I wouldn't do the same that they have done with me, like upbringing me. I don't want to do the same with my daughter, for example. But hey, their life was completely different. They didn't know things that I know at the moment. They didn't have the opportunities that I'm having at the moment. And with what they had and how they were as people at that moment, they've done the best they could. And it's the same with job applications. It's the same with your career progress. You just really need to focus on, I'm doing the best I can with what I have at the moment. I love that so much. I want to ask about the moment where you turn something in, whether it's your resume or your cover letter, or perhaps it's even a project at work, that stopping point where you say, okay, I'm going to stop right now. This also comes from a point of experience and a point of empathy here. But I know that that moment where you have to turn something in is also very anxiety inducing. And it's almost like I can't turn my mind off to stop working on whatever it is that I was working at at the time. Do you have any strategies or coping mechanisms for people who have a hard time stopping and just need to take a break or just to finish altogether? So I have two examples, Chris, one quite old, 2009, I think. Yeah, I went to Sweden from Ukraine in 2010. Uh, I got a scholarship from a Swedish organization called Swedish Institute to study there. And I almost missed the deadline of applying to this scholarship. And that was the only way for me to go there. My family couldn't afford me going to another European country to study. And when I realized that I only have two days to write this application, there was the motivational letter and a lot of different things. I was like, oh my God, I need to good, like good ideas on how, like, why do I deserve that scholarship and so on. And I asked one of my friends, like, hey, you're interested in Sweden. What could I put in, in there that could be good ideas for like, for the motivational letter? And, and then I was like, I just left it. And then I waited and I waited and I waited and he didn't reply. And I was like, I have half a day left. And I just sat down and I wrote something. 
And I reread it and I sent it off. A couple of hours later, he comes back to me with a message with some ideas, bullet points. And I was literally like tearing my hair out because his ideas were so much better than what I wrote there. And I was like, oh my God, if people like him wrote those motivational letters, I'll never get the scholarship. And I was so pissed at myself that I missed the deadline. Like it was not on my map on time. And I didn't write to him on time because he did reply, right? He just didn't have that much time. In the end, I did get my scholarship. I did. And that moment, and I'm, I'm having goosebumps now living through that and t- telling you that. That moment when I opened my motivational letter, I reread it. I got tears in my eyes because that was so me. And thinking that I might have gone to another country. And that was a, a really pivoting moment in my, in my life. Like getting that experience of international. I met my love of my life there and, and those kind of things. Thinking that the deciding point for them to give me the scholarship could have been the ideas of another person instead of my own. And like being authentic me. That was like... Thanks God, he was late with his reply. So that was a very powerful moment for me when I realized like, okay, there is a deadline and just follow. Like it wasn't perfect, right? But I did it. So Chris, back to your question. Sometimes this tactic is actually to have this external thing, like the deadline in this moment in, in here. And there was not me deciding when I should send it, right? It was stated. And the powerful thing was that I actually sent it. I didn't think, okay, I don't have good ideas. So screw it. I just stay in Ukraine and I work, la la la. No, I wanted to try. And I did it and I got it and it changed my life. Imperfect things can get results, the results that you want, the results that are going to come into your life to fulfill you. It's possible. It's possible. Yeah. And they can be much, much better than you have ever dreamt of. The thing is really trying. We needed to hear that story. Thank you for that. You said you had another one or? Yeah, it is um, about when you don't have this external deadline. Yeah, sometimes it's self-imposed. Like I'm trying to create music. I have no producers that I'm working with right now that are saying you have to have this deadline. How do we deal with that? You set the deadline yourself and you make sure that someone is holding you accountable. So the deadline can be about the the time, but it can be about the form of deliverable and and so on. So for me, the example is very, very recent. Uh, You know, Chris, that I just recently launched my own podcast, Genius Leadership. Congratulations. Thank you. It's been on my mind for a month before that. And I'm in a business accelerator program, uh, which is amazing. And the community there is fantastic. And at some point I dropped there, like I had a hot seat with some question and the experts, they kind of answered my question. And then I was like, yeah, yeah, I thought of like doing the next podcast and so on. And like, oh, good. When is it coming out? And I was like, "Mm." Uh, it was Q3, like end of Q3 2020. And I was like, okay, within the next quarter, it's going to happen. And they're like, okay, this is recorded. Everyone is having access to this call and <laughs> on the membership site. So now you have a couple of hundred of entrepreneurs yes. holding you accountable. And they would be like, sometimes in the other conversations, like, so how is the podcast going? Anna? Exactly. The thing is that I launched it in mid-January. So it was like two week delay, but it was actually active. So the things were quite ready before, but with talking with podcasters, they were like, okay, actually December is quite a dead time because people are very busy with the Christmas and so on. So I was like, okay, it's not the best time to launch probably. And that's why I postponed it. But the other ways, I really felt the pressure, the peer pressure there. And no one was like pointing fingers at me. It was very loving and supporting kind of question, right? But it was still holding me accountable. And that's something, the power of the community. So find your community who will hold you accountable. It doesn't have to be several hundred of people, like in my case. It can be one person. But committing and saying to them, hey, I'm doing this. And I'm doing it that time. It can be your social media. Just post on Instagram and say, hey, guys, I'm deciding like I want to train five times a week. Who is on board with me? Who wants to challenge themselves? And it doesn't have to be that they also need to train five times a week. For them, it might be starting to train once a week. Yeah. And then you just, you know, like your accountability buddies. 
or telling your friend, hey, I'm going to start that coding boot camp next month and I'm doing it because I want to be a coder. Right. So really commit and make sure the others are involved. This is so important and it's something we're missing quite often. We're sitting with our ambitions. We're sitting with our dreams alone. I don't know how it is in the US, but in Ukraine, we have this saying that you shouldn't share your dreams because they will not come true or not your goals because like, you know, or tell God your plans and he'll love it to yourself like that. Total BS, guys. Total BS. We are social beings and we thrive in the social environment and we really need to tap into that and to leverage that. Oh my gosh. I think I needed to hear that too, because there are so many times when I have not told people in the fear that if I tell them and then it ends up not happening, then it's just going to be this embarrassing thing or something like that. But by not telling these people, not only am I missing an opportunity to share, but I'm missing an actual leverage point to give me positive pressure to achieve whatever I want to achieve, you know? And you put the foot in the door, you know, like, you're like, ah, yeah, there's still an exit. I can still kind of get out of here. <laughs> Make it easy for yourself to really get through that. Absolutely. Anna, well, you've been a fantastic guest. I can't thank you enough for coming on the show. I want to hear if you have any final words of advice for job seekers or people looking to take that next big step in their careers. I think the mantra of we're all doing the best we can with what we have can be a very good reminder. And if you are stopped by the perfectionism, just turn it into I. I am doing the best I can with what I have. Just remind yourself that and really lean into it. And again, remember that the failure is just a learning opportunity. I'm going to write that down on a piece of paper somewhere and put it up next to my computer. I am doing the best with what I have. I think seriously, that was a great core message of the show. And I think that's awesome. So Anna, thank you so much for coming on the show. I want to hear how people can find out more about you or get in touch with you. And what are you up to these days? Well, the Genius Leadership Podcast, you have have it on most of the platforms. And if you don't have it on the platform you're listening to, or to the other podcast on, just let me know because I would love to add it there. But Genius Leadership Overcoming Everything podcast is the platform where I am interviewing amazing people. And you hear my stories as well, both my personal and my experience with my clients. And connect on LinkedIn. That's the best way to connect with me, I would say. I'm mostly there and playing. That's my playground <laughs> platform nowadays. Awesome. Well, that's great to hear. I will, for you listeners, make sure to link that in the description, the Genius Leadership Podcast, as well as information on how to get in touch with Anna. We'll make sure to include her LinkedIn. So connect with her on LinkedIn. Make sure to leave a personalized note, letting her know that you came from the podcast. We love those notes. We think they make a difference. So practice, practice, practice. Anna, thanks so much for joining us. You were awesome. Thank you so much, Chris. You're amazing as well. And you're doing an amazing job with both the podcast and the whole Let's It Karma. Thank you so much. All right, listeners, this concludes episode 205 of the Career Warrior podcast. Got some really deep insights today that go beyond just the resume and beyond just the job search. These are things that you can apply to your entire career, to your hobbies, and to just possibly even your relationships with loved ones. Things don't have to be perfect. And I think this is something that us perfectionists need to realize. And just realizing that when you put something out and you stop doing what you're doing because of a deadline, then great things can happen even though it is not perfect. Great things and great outcomes can happen to where you can get more out of your life and even looking back in the next few years, you'll realize that what you put out was not perfect. And that is a good thing. That means that, that there is an opportunity for you to continue perfecting your craft and continuing to get better and better as a person. So I hope you found this episode to be as inspiring as it was for me. I know that this was a really special one. So 
go out. Let us perfectionists go forward and live our lives without fear and living in the best way we possibly can. And I'll make sure to see you next week when we have our next episode on Monday morning. This concludes episode 205 of the Career Warrior Podcast. I'll see you next time. Career Warrior Podcast. And for more on your job search, please make sure to check out Let's Eat Grandma's website at letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. That's where you can find her blog, attend job seeker events, and learn more about her awesome resume services. Let me just say, I'm happy you're subscribed on Apple or Spotify, but you are missing out if you haven't seen the additional resources on our website. Once again, that's letseatgrandma.com forward slash CWP. And please don't forget to leave a review. The support from my fellow warriors is what will help me get noticed and what will help the algorithm so other job seekers can discover us too. I promise I read all the reviews and you will just make my day. That's all. I'll see you next episode this Monday morning.